What's going on, everybody? And welcome to a special edition Villanova basketball recap episode of the Did You Hear podcast. And Pat and I are joined today by a very special guest, Jalal Sandy, a a fellow Blue Wire Hustle podcaster, host of the Just Another Day podcast. Jalal, thanks so much for being here. What's up, guys? Um, thank you both for having me. Um, not in the greatest of moods right now following <laughs> this loss, but um, it's always fun to link up with Blue Wire Hustle people and get and talk about sports. Yeah, not only Blue Wire Hustle, but a fellow Big Easter as well. So we love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, class right? of 2020. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so Pat and I have obviously been doing the, the Villanova recaps and we wanted to do a special one today because Jalal just graduated from UConn and Villanova came away with the 68 to 60 win over the Huskies at home, pushes Villanova to 14, three overall UConn to 10 and six. Jalal, as, as we go through this, I'm super curious to hear what you think about book night and the team and the team's chances in the tournament, but let's start with this game specifically and Pat, why don't you start us off with your takeaway from this game? Yeah, so going into it, kind of a sloppy win for Villanova, an eight-point victory at home over over the Huskies. I have, especially, you're starting to see it lately, and I think you saw it the most in this game. The coaching staff is losing confidence in Caleb Daniels, and you saw it especially in minutes. Holster played 28, and he played basically all the way down the stretch for Villanova, which, you know, you wouldn't normally assume because we know Swider is very challenged uh, defensively. You go back to the Creighton game, only six points in that game, eight points against Georgetown. He hasn't really been able to start off so hot as Villanova team coming in the transfer from Tulane, but especially since the COVID restart, Daniels has been progressively less, less of a focal point especially on the team whole as well. And I think you really saw that today. And you know what? It's a little surprising for me. I mean, 0 for 1, one field goal attempt today. And as I said, just 12 minutes for a starter in Daniel, someone that going into the season thought was going to play a huge role for this team. It's a little surprising, but then again, he also really hasn't played well of late. The two fouls immediately. I mean, the first foul yes, was, first I think, three minutes, right? Yeah, 58 seconds into the game was the first one, and then right at the two-minute mark, and he sat for the rest of the half. If your starter is yeah. doing that, there's just – the way you put it perfectly, um, our takeaways from on Twitter, the staff is losing confidence in him. And the fact that Villanova now so. has to rely on Cole Swider, and I, I, I purposely didn't say Brandon Slater there because I think there already was some trust – but to go with mm-hmm. Swider over Daniels for a large chunk of this game over an opponent in UConn who stuck around the entire game, that is not good at all. And that one shot attempt, if the shot's not coming along and he's already being detrimental by creating so many fouls, then there's really no use having him on the floor. And it showed in this game. And Eric Dixon did not pick up any minutes in this game yeah. as well. So Wright is really shortening his rotation. You know, he's got it down to seven guys. I'm not sure Villanova is going to be able to make a deep run in this tournament if they're not getting anything from Caleb Daniels. I, I'm not sure they're going to have the depth to be able to withstand that. So this, what it's a worrying trend that you've seen of late from him. I mean, depth is its own thing. I was actually going to switch this over to you now, Jalal. Like there are four serious depth players on UConn, and even if they're they're in a you know they're seven and six in the conference, ten and six overall. That's a decent to be position to be in in the middle of February. But to have four 
bench options, maybe three because a cock isn't, isn't too much of an ent- entity, but Polly Jackson and Gaffney are serious guys off the bench for UConn. Yeah. Um, depth was, you know, coming into the season, depth was definitely um, one of the strengths that uh, you hear like all the, the analysts talk about and, it's mainly because of their defensive effort. Well, mm-hmm. Polly isn't the most uh, defensively polished guy, but he's our best shooter. And, um, you know, a cook, he's, um, he's a little rusty because, you know, he tore his Achilles last yeah. season. Mm. So he's still working his way back, but he's looked, he's been up and down a little bit, but he's looked comfortable with each game. And, um, you know, Jackson is a freshman and he was hurt earlier in the season. So he's coming back from injury. And, you know, off the bench, Gaffney is the guy who has the most experience. He's only a sophomore, but hmm. um, he, they rely on him to really run, that, run the offense when R.J. Cole doesn't have it going or, you know, they're collapsing in the paint on book night. They need a second option just to keep the offense flowing. And I think that's a problem that they run into often. And that's a problem you saw today once um, – once Nova started locking down in that zone in the second half, things got really scary for them. Yeah. And it didn't help that Book Knight couldn't make a shot to save his life down the stretch. <laughs> oh, my God. I, he, he came out hot. And then he did. When he fell on his elbow, mm-hmm. yep. I was like, oh, totally boy. Agree. And he hadn't, yeah. and he didn't look the same throughout the game after, after that fall. And that was. And and uncharacteristically, he couldn't hit free throws either. And I was and his stat line doesn't look bad, but you know, five turnovers to one assist—that's not good. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. He had twenty-one and ten rebounds, but he had I think sixteen in the first half. So mm-hmm. that second yeah, half, I believe that's right. Yeah, that second half was nightmarish. And then uh, the story of the game was no one else could really find anything on offense. R.J. Cole was two of ten. 10 points, two of eight from three. Uh, Sonogo got into foul trouble. Whaley couldn't really do anything. He was great uh, protecting the rim. I think he had three or four blocks. Yep. Um, but, yeah, offensively, that was clearly the the issue. They just couldn't find any consistency, and I think they tend to rely on book night a little bit too much. And you mm. And you could see with, like, eight minutes left in the second half, he was gassed, hands yeah. on his knees on defense. And uh, Nova took advantage of that. You know, Gillespie is a, a veteran guard at this point in his collegiate career. When he sees that, he's going to take advantage. He's a senior now. Mm. He's seen it all. Uh, he has a championship, correct? Yeah. Yes, he does. Yeah, he was a freshman for the 18 team. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, he's seen it all. And, you know, they've been the team to beat in the Big East for the last – five or six years and at UConn they, they've just got a lot of growing to do you know the team is fairly young they have uh one senior that plays uh what's his name I can't remember his name jo- Josh Carlton he's the other senior he doesn't really play mm-hmm. okay um and then they have two juniors one who's a transfer which is Cole and then everybody else is either a sophomore or a freshman so they, I just think, you know, in this game, experience played a huge part. Um, Villanova knew what they had to do when it came to crunch time, and defense is their signature. And I felt like that was Villanova's best defensive performance of the season. I don't know. I haven't watched all their games this year, but 
I've heard that they haven't been their best defensively. And then, <laughs> you, you would be correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like that second half performance from them was their best defensive performance of the season. Would you guys agree with that? I would. I, I think holding them to 28, holding UConn at 28 points in the second half is really impressive for a team that has struggled defensively, as we said, and especially with Cole Swider getting a lot of minutes, not exactly a defensive guru down there for Nova. I thought that was important. Robinson Earl probably had his best defensive game in a while, Emma, I would say so. I yeah. think you, you really saw him kind of exert some some dominance, which we hadn't seen in a little bit. He's been passive. And I, I completely agree with you on your UConn points. Book Knight just wasn't the same when he came down on the elbow. He got beat up this game. Villanova targeted him, and they yes. hit him a bunch on screens. Uh, they drove at him. It was their goal to rough him up a little bit, and I do think that made an impact. And I am an RJ Cole fan. I like Cole. I think he adds a lot to the UConn offense. He just didn't have it today. And when, when he's going to struggle, to add some secondary points UConn is going to have a tough time uh keeping up with Nova it's just funny because I'm really not going through this the statue right now I'm not blown away with a single person's offensive game on either team yeah every single person who played the stats do not pop off the page he did down the stretch he he hit the shots he needed to Pat and I were texting during the game yes we were Colin has had some infuriating games lately (laughs) <laughs> and if he had not made those two threes, and he had a couple good layups down the stretch, he I did. said the last five or six minutes, he turned Colin it on. Gillespie was playing normal Colin Gillespie like. Yep. Like, oh, yeah. but no, the I, thing I just wanted to say quickly, as a Villanova fan, it gives me a lot of pause to think of what this UConn team can do in the future because they're so young. To Joel's point, why didn't they just feed Sonogo down low? Mm. I was screaming at yep. the tele. Oh my goodness. Right? They would get the switch. It's going over his weakness. And, you know, I'd see Colin down there trying to uh, take Sonogo in the post. I'm like, throw it to him. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's got like 50 pounds on him. <laughs> and, and to your point about Gillespie, I, you know, the, neither team shot well no. from the field, from three. It was a defensive battle. It was ugly the entire way. But I knew, you know... Villanova's the best three-point shooting team in the conference. I'm like, I think at one point you were shooting 18%. And yeah. I'm like, they're, they're going to hit one. <laughs> this, it's called regression to a mean or progression. <laughs> like, it's going to happen. And, I'm, and I saw him, you know, come off the screen and get the switch. And I was like, he's going to shoot a three. He's going to shoot it. And he did. And, and then he hit another one. And, I'm, and once he hit that second one, I was like, yeah, yep. this game is yeah, that one was Yeah, the second one too. was the dagger. Yeah. yeah. No, agreed. Nova Nova struggled around the perimeter. I mean, UConn held them to 23% from three. Uh, Cole Swider, whose one job is to hit threes, was one for five. Uh, Gillespie wasn't able to get into a groove from deep. Moore didn't even hit a single three in this game. They, I have to. I was impressed with UConn's perimeter D. Just Gillespie happened to come up big at the end and hit the two big ones that Nova needed. Yeah, yeah um, UConn's signature is defense this year. Mm-hmm. They're, they're bottom half of the league in – all offensive stats, points, uh, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, they really pride themselves on defense because they're not a great shooting team. You know, they can get hot, but if they settle for jumpers and rely on the three ball, they're probably going to lose the game. Yeah, Yeah. definitely fair. Emma, what's your takeaway? So it was about three-point shooting, and we've covered a lot of it, but I think Villanova has improved as the season has gone on. Their MO this season, probably the last six seasons, as being this three point shooting team. And when the shot isn't falling, again, they shot almost 23%. They're the best in the Big East season average, 38%. To have that much of a difference 
but to still be able to eke out a win, it wasn't pretty. It was horrible to watch at times, Mm -hmm. but Villanova has gotten better at finding other options, whether that be putting it down to Robinson Earl down low there. He did play very well in the post today. Of course, Colin always comes up and hits a big shot. You know, they get it done on the defensive end too. Brandon Slater, Pat, I'm sure you were jumping off the couch. I yelled his name many times today. Very happy. Villanova is so well-polished and there are so many different options that they get things done. I thought Moore probably had his worst game of the season, if not his entire career and other guys were able to step up. So that made me feel better as a fan, just to watch them find ways to get it done. No offense, Jalal, but against a better opponent than UConn, that makes me a little bit worried, but I'll go with this as my main takeaway. And I mean it so wholeheartedly. If book Knight hadn't gotten hurt, he would be my favorite for Big East Player of the Year over Marcus Zagorowski. I am blown away by how good this kid is. He, I, I've been telling people for two years now, and <laughs> I, I saw it up close last year. You know, they had Christian Vital, who was yep. the best player on the team. He was a senior, the leader of the team. But Book Knight came in, and like we, as as students, as fans of the the team, I, I knew he was from Brooklyn because. Uh, I, I just keep track of a, every uh, basketball, good basketball player that comes out of New York. And um, I didn't know much about him. I looked him up on YouTube and I was like, okay, he can score. And then I saw him play. I was like, oh, he can really, really score. Like mm. he's a natural, as, as I heard uh, Jim Jackson say the other day, a professional scorer, like yep. his buckets come so easily. And if, you know, if he qualified for, um, enough games to he would be leading the the big east in scoring right now yeah and um but i think this game in particular this was his welcome to the big east game Mm. like villanova is probably is arguably the toughest team they they will play defense they will rough you up they're physical but uconn is also physical and i think this was like a big brother little brother kind of game like uh I think Book Knight will learn from this. I think the team will mm-hmm. learn from this. And they've just, you know, now I think they see they've got to be better uh, and more consistent if you want to be uh, a championship caliber or uh, program like like Villanova. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I love what Danny Hurley's doing there at UConn. I think he is really building a program. I, I think with Book Knight, the things, the biggest things that, that, really stand out to me is the quickness and ability to create his own shot. I mean, you don't see that with too many college hoops players. A lot of it is really struggling and trying to build offenses around getting guys open. He can get open on his own. Uh, And then to Emma's point before about being able to just find a way to win, even though the three point ball wasn't really falling. Nova got to the line 26 times today. Yeah. that's And and that was there. And this was probably one of their worst shooting days from it too. They only shot 73% and they've been an elite free throw shooting team basically throughout the entire season but they're able to get so much volume there at the line going 19 of 26 that I think that was a huge part in them being able to, to finish this thing down the, down the road. Yeah. And Joel, we had Dana O'Neill, a uh, athletic beat writer for college basketball, come on. And she was so excited earlier in the, um, yep. the couple months ago, we had her on and she was so excited about, about UConn, excuse me, coming back to the big East because they can compete against Villanova for the big East title every single year every single time Villanova plays UConn I'm going to be extremely stressed because it doesn't matter maybe if they have book night I'll say if, if book night hadn't been playing I think it would have been different 
but UConn is serious and they show up every single time. And I just pulled up their schedule. They've got Georgetown twice, Marquette and Seton Hall. Those seem like three surefire wins to me. And then maybe they eke out one against Seton Hall. This, I went into this game thinking that if UConn drops this one, I don't think it's the end of the world. If they win it, I think it immediately propels them into the tournament and maybe even more than first four in or first four out, wherever they are. But they can capitalize on this week schedule to close out the year too. Yeah, I was um, texting friends right after the game and they're freaking out. I'm like, relax. We have Georgetown twice <laughs> <Yeah>. and Marquette <laughs> who – are Marquette is the, collapsing. The, they're probably the two worst teams in the conference, and we're playing. And then we're playing Seton Hall for the second time of the year, where um, the first matchup was really, really close. And um, you know, Book Knight was out, but Gaffney stepped up. Uh, R.J. Cole stepped up. Uh, Tyrese Martin, who who's been really good in Book Knight's absence, and I think he's struggling to find his rhythm with him back in the lineup. So I think. They need to gel a little bit, but yeah, you're, I agree. They need to win three out of those four. And me being who I am, they got to win all four of those games mm, yeah. because you have to have a statement win for the committee so that they can see that you're serious about uh, making the tournament. I feel that way too. I feel that way too. And I actually think I meant to bring this up when we were talking about book night earlier, he was really beat up. I thought he was going to go out for the rest of the game when he hit that elbow on the floor. Yep. And then it seemed like he was getting calf. calf he came work. down awkwardly. On yeah. The leg. I mean, th- when it first happened, I thought it was a finger injury because he was clutching his fingers, but then it seemed to be the elbow and then the calf. I, he well, didn't it was start definitely a, like yeah, a, he didn't even start against Providence too. So the conditioning is still yeah. a huge aspect too. Yeah, he's he was gassed, like I said before, and I think the uh, like the finger thing was sort of like he fell on his elbow, had a stinger, and I guess yeah, it sort of went down to his hand. Yeah. But I don't understand why they didn't have like a um, a padded sleeve for his for his mm-hmm. elbow. Yeah, exactly. Because like he's wearing the um, long sleeve uh, compression shirt, but there's no padding on it. So if he falls on his elbow, and I think he. Almost fell on it a, a second time, going up for a rebound. Yep. And he got fouled. And I'm like, please get him. <laughs> please. He needs the pads. Because without him, their offense looks abysmal. I, like, you, you, they lost to Providence because their offense broke down. They lost to Seton Hall because their offense broke down. Creighton, uh, St. John's, who's been the surprise team of the Big East, in yep. my yeah. opinion, this year. Agreed. Um, but they should have won that game back in, I believe that was January. And it's, it's been a really up and down season since he's gotten hurt. And um, I, I think they just need to find some consistency offensively. The defense will always be there. That's, that's their identity. They're one of the best defensive teams in the conference. They're one of the best defensive teams in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the consistency offensively is the main factor that they need to find. Um, in a short time, they've got four games in two weeks. So it's... It's coming up quick. Yeah, all of a sudden, it's coming down to it. Jeez. It, yeah, it, it really yeah, is. Where did the time go? <laughs> I was impressed by UConn's intensity, and I think they will be a tough out in the Big East tournament. But, Jalal, what was your takeaway from this game? Um, they, As a team, they need to find a secondary score on offense. Yeah. It can't all fall on book night. I think R.J. Cole can be that guy. Tyrese Martin can be that guy. And um, – 
they they need to take it upon themselves to have his back when he when he's not feeling 100% or he's just having an off game. And I think they both have the ability to step up. They just need to understand when that time is because you can't rely on Isaiah Whaley to drop 10 points. He's not yeah. going to do it. He's a defensive guy, rebound guy, energy guy. Um, and Sonogo's a freshman. So, mm. and he's, he's not a top prospect in the country. So you can't, outside of defense, you know, he fouls a lot, but he plays defense. He gives good energy, but he's a freshman. He's, he's going to make his mistakes. So yeah, a secondary scorer would truly help out this team offensively. And, you know, they've, they've got it on defense. They just need more help on offense. Yeah. I mean, I think it's you kind of four and four without Booknight and eight and one with him. I was surprised they won four games without him, to be honest, because (laughs) of that second scorer. I I was really surprised that they won four. Yeah. And they're, when when he's playing uh well before today they were averaging 75 points mm. and in his absence i think it went down to 67 i saw that so, too yeah so um and like i said in his absence martin cole even gaffney had a 20 point game somewhere i think it was against seton hall mm. that was his best game of the season but yeah they they've got to um realize that their roles are secondary now and you know, just have the ability to have, you know, your best players back when you need them. You, as a, a college team, it's not like the pros where, you know, they may not have the best relationship off the floor, but these guys are supposed to be like brothers. And, um, you know, having gone to school with them, and I've had classes with a couple of them, like I know that they're really, really close. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. I think I'm just repeating yeah. myself at this point. <laughs> um, I have a question for you both. Yeah. So what um, – I was looking at Villanova's schedule. It's a t- tough out for oh. the last – Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> um, what is the expectation going into the tournament? Obviously, Villanova's a lock every year. Um, and is, is championship aspirations, or do you think mm. that they will, you know, fall short in the Sweet 16 round of 32? Like, where do you guys think they will end up? And what was the expectation coming in? Yeah, I I'll, I can take that first. Um, I think that it should be Final Four expectations uh, for, for this team. I, I think going into the year, I definitely thought Final Four. If anything, I have walked it back a little bit just because I think we are seeing some depth issues with Villanova. Demir Kazi Roundtree being out for the basically the entire season has hurt them. Brian Antoine being out for what's basically been the whole season and only getting some limited minutes here lately has hurt them. Uh, I still think that they should at least at worst be an elite eight contender. Um, but I do think they have a chance at a final four. If things go right, they could make it to a title game. I think Gonzaga and Baylor are still just on a pedestal and I don't think anyone touches them, but I am, I'm still comfortable putting Villanova in that tier below them. And I think they can get to a final four. Emma, what about you? Yeah, I feel the same thing. I was going to say at least at Elite Eight. Yes, I agreed. think some other teams, for a while it was Baylor, Gonzaga. And Nova, and, and that was it. And Nova, yeah. It's and not that it's, anymore. Now it's Michigan, Ohio State, yep. Houston, 
you know, Alabama even. I love what Bama's doing. <laughs> I really think if Villanova drops the game to St. John's, I'm going to start having some serious It's possible. Concerns. It's very possible they lose that game on, what, Tuesday night? Yeah, Tuesday. They've got St. John's, Butler, which should be a gimme, Creighton, and then Providence. Pat and I have talked about Villanova always has issues with. I don't think the Creighton game is a must-win if they can make it closer than it was last time. Yeah. I think St. John's is a must-win. And it's at home. You've seen them before. Joel said earlier, they're the surprise team of the Big East. I think that goes without question. They're the surprise team of the Big East. If not the surprise team of the country, in the nation. They've been so good lately. Yeah, I mean, everybody, the graphic everybody's seeing right now when they watch this game is that Villanova's lost two of their last four. They've won their, their previous nine before that. I'm feeling okay right now. But when they have games like this, when the shot's not falling... The defense steps up. That makes me feel okay. It was a mm-hmm. defensive – I don't even have a word to describe it. Slot nightmare, first. complete meltdown against Creighton oh, against and St. John's. Yeah. It, it was it so. was an intramural C-League from Villanova type <laughs> performance. I, I can vouch because I played in those games. Um, but no, I did as well. <laughs> yeah, I still I still think it's Elite Eight. And, and Jaw, the last half of your question was what were expectations going in? Yeah. And this has disappointed me a little bit. Me too. Jeremiah Robinson Earl was going to be a lottery pick, potential, what is he, Carl Malone winner, right? Uh, yes. I don't know if he's either of those things now. Yeah, I'll say this game, I really, I was happy with how he performed. Yeah, he did th- play well today. He has been a little too inconsistent for the talent level that he has. He should be dominating every game he's in, and it just, yeah. it hasn't been like that. Yeah, I don't know, he, I, was, he was like the biggest name. I, obviously, everybody knows Gillespie, but yeah. I think um, I think it's unfair that the fans put these expectations on Gillespie that he's supposed to be this lottery pick star when that's just not who he is. Yeah, um, he's just what, your senior guard. He reminds me of like a Marcus Page. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good. That's a good comp. Where you play, yeah, you play four years, you have that experience, and you know you're just more physical. Oh, hold on, <laughs> sirens in the back. <laughs> always every day um yeah you're just a bigger guard with more experience and um you've been there before so you can um set set great examples for your teammates but yeah to your point uh Robinson Earl has been probably the most disappointing on the team um when you look at the expectations that he had coming into the season yeah I mean the other thing too is that I think Gillespie has that expectation because of all the Villanova point cards that have come before him. Yep. He's not necessarily going to produce on at the NBA level, even the way Brunson is doing, maybe the way Archie Diakono is doing. 10 points last night for Arch. Yeah. I actually was shocked, Pat, that they didn't show. (laughs) Did you see the replay from the Bulls Sixers game? I was shocked they didn't show that in this broadcast because that's totally a hashtag attitude play for Villanova. Oh, 100%. But I mean, Joel, I want to flip it right back to you. The same question you asked us. What were UConn's expectations going into their first year of the Big East, and how do you see the rest of the season in the tournament shaping out for them? Yeah, the the expectations, that depends on who you ask. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, If you ask the most biased UConn fan, they they were supposed to be the best uh, team coming into the Big East. And I'm like, in the first year? (laughs) Um, Realistically, I saw them as – three or four, which I think they're five right now uh, due to their record. 
Um, but talent-wise, depth-wise, I still think they're the big, they're the deepest team in the biggies. Um, but, like, I, I, I think college basketball is so reliant on experience, and they don't have that. And I think that's why they've had such an up-and-down season. And I don't see them pulling off a magical 2011 or mm. 2014 run. That's a really um, good point. I could They're be too wrong. young for I, I that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I will be. And if they do squeak in, I think there'll be an, an early exit. But that's just lessons that they learn as they grow and they get better and older. And they'll they'll be competing at the top of the conference for years and years. Yeah, I agree. I, they have the bona fide star of the Big East right now in James Booknight. I have yeah. no problem saying that right now. I don't either. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching him play. Yeah, he's um I think the biggest thing I take away from his game is he plays at his own pace. Mm. Um I think that was something that Villanova actually did well. They sped him up and um made him uncomfortable, but you know, he was a lottery uh, not lottery, but first round pick projection projected mm-hmm. pick coming in and this um, year. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow, I didn't first know round. That. Wow. Yeah. And um if he didn't get hurt, who knows what his draft stock would be. I don't think he'll leave now because mm. I feel like his season is incomplete. But um, going into next year, assuming he stays, he'll get better. They've got more guards coming in. Um, but I expect uh, jumps from these sophomores who I guess you could say have a bit of a sophomore slump as they try to find their game and mm. find their strengths and weaknesses. But, um, yeah, they – the future is is really bright for them and I'm I'm excited to see what they do for these next few years and Dan Hurley credit to him for doing a complete 180 on this program uh Kevin Ollie left it in shambles yeah and, yeah. and you know he still has some of Ollie's players uh Whaley was a was an Ollie recruit and you know he's taken his philosophies and his schemes and really turned this program back around and made them relevant again and they, they got to start winning. You got to live up to the UConn name. They don't have four titles for just for show, you know? And the, you can't have the girls keep winning and you don't win. So, <laughs> yeah. I like that. That's what the attitude should be. And that's what we want in the Big East, too. That's what it should be every single year. I want, I want five to six teams making it to the tournament from the Big East every year. I want Big Ten, Best Big 12. Well. And, that's what, and that's what it yeah. should be, yeah, because there's so many talented teams. So very, very exciting. But all right. That will do it for us on the Did You Hear podcast, a 68-60 to 60 win for the Villanova Wildcats over the UConn Huskies. We want to thank Jalal Sandy from the Just Another Day podcast for coming on. Jalal, what is your Twitter? My Twitter is at jsandy45 underscore. That's the letter jsandy45 underscore. Um, the podcast Twitter page is at just pod. Perfect. So give Jalal a follow on there. Jalal, thank you so much for coming on with us. Um, thank you guys for having me. This was this was a lot of fun. And if you want me to come on again, if you know these these two teams end up seeing each other down the road, I'll oh yeah, be happy to come on again. Hey, eyes, do, on, uh, eyes on the Big East tournament. I was it's just going to say Nova UConn yeah. Big East final. Oof. Oh, Saturday night at the Garden would be absolutely yeah. perfect. Oh, super exciting. So, yeah, give Jalal a follow on there. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Did You Hear Pod to let us know what you think. And otherwise, Emma, that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>